All right, thank you, Brother Vaughn. Let's stand and take our Bibles, please. Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4 tonight. Thank you for being here at church. And uh, I'm imagining some of our folks will still make their way in for the Lord's table tonight. But Acts chapter 4, just rejoicing. Two men trusted Christ their Savior, the invitation this morning. And uh, the Lord worked in their hearts. Thank God for that. A lot of visitors. And, you know, a lot of churches have a, they go through a summer slump. But I'm just thankful for our, the, every summer that our, just our folks are out knocking doors and visiting. We're seeing a good number of folks come. And thank you for being in church tonight. Numbers chapter 4. hope you'll, you'll just keep a matter of prayer about the, the new building. We're just excited what the Lord's doing. And we're just really praying that uh, God would use every room. They'll get all filled up uh, soon. And uh, we're praying that God would do a great work there. And some, A lot of you still haven't had a walkthrough yet. We hope to get you through there. But if not, when the grand opening happens on August 5th, that'll be a great day. Just to kind of stop and... We observe every room, and we've tried to stop along the way and pray over every room that God, that God will do a great work there. So you pray with us that God will do something great there. Acts chapter 4, say amen if you're there. At the Lord's table tonight, so I'm trying to be real careful of the time. You've been so gracious the last few weeks. I've been a little bit way over on Sunday nights. So I'm trying to be very careful of that tonight so you get you home at a decent time. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of Thy servant David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And I love verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Would you go back to verse 31 with me? I'd like us to read that together as a congregation. Please read it clearly and loudly with me from the King James Version of the Bible. All together, congregation. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Just for a moment tonight, I want to give you a thought this evening. How the church got its power. We need a revisiting of what happened in Acts 4:31. It wasn't something just for that age. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard men say, "Well, that was just for the New Testament." No, that's for God's people today too. And the same Holy Spirit that worked 
in the first century is the same Holy Spirit we have today. And sometimes they'll say, well, the book of Acts was a time of transition. No, it was more than just a time of transition. It was God at work and showing us a precedent. God can still work like he does, like he did then and there. But we've got to be willing to pay the price. And so tonight, regardless of where we're at in our Christian life and Christian maturity, this evening, let's see tonight how, the, how God gave his church power. Now, Father, this evening, for a moment, we want a word of instruction and we want a word of encouragement that will work in our hearts. Father, we praise you and glorify you. This week, many, many times, the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached and given in group settings, congregational settings, one-on-one, and many other ways. We thank you, Lord. Today, we had a large number of visitors who came to church that came at the invitation of people who just invited. We thank you, Lord, this week. There's been just a countless number of souls that have been saved. And, Lord, good information we've garnered for follow-up. And we know that just the follow-up is work in progress, and we want to be found faithful in that. And tonight, I looked at your congregation. Lord, they're hungry hearts. And the Bible says, Blessed are they that thirst and hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I see across the faces people that are weary and also see in the faces people, God, who are, who, Lord, are, are heavy laden and with, with trials and, and difficulties. And we just need a word from God tonight as we go through the service and then approach the Lord's table. And we pray even as it's being translated that you'll do a mighty work in all of our hearts. Father, may Jesus Christ, your son, be lifted up. Sanctify thy people through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We pray tonight that the word of God would stretch forth his power in our hearts and do a great work tonight that we rebound, redound into the glory of God. We pray for any here tonight who are not saved, not taking anything for granted, save souls tonight. May you take the most timid person here this evening and make them a mighty witness for Jesus Christ. May you help us tonight to take, Lord, the perhaps someone who's burdened down and help them see what you can do through our lives. Father, touch our lips touch our, our mouths, touch our lives so we can be used of you to touch someone else's life. We just never know who we'll sit next to that needs to hear about Jesus. And we'll thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're a baseball fan or we have any, if anything, you know anything about baseball history, you know that back in the days, just not too many years ago, that the New York Yankees, and even still today, the New York Yankees were a force to be reckoned with. And, of course, the New York Yankees had many, many famous players that, that they produced, men like uh, Mickey Mantle and Reggie Jackson, who used to play for the Oakland A's, one time played there, just a number of guys like that. But foremost among the great players of days gone by was a man by the name of Bobby Richardson. Bobby Richardson was a second baseman for the New York Yankees, but more important the fact that he was an all-star baseball player was the fact that Bobby Richardson was an all-star Christian that loved Jesus Christ as a Savior. In 1962, the, the New York Yankees were playing the San Francisco Giants for the World Series, and it was in the seventh game of the World Series, and you know, that's, that's it. I mean, whoever wins that game wins the series, and it was tied 3-3 three to three in terms of 3-3. Three, three. three games have been won by the Giants, and three games have been won by the Yankees. It was about the sixth inning there, and the, the, the uh, the Giants were at bat, and the New York Yankees were, were, were covering, were, were just on the defense there, and the Yankees had decided that they were going to change their pitcher, and uh, while they changed their pitchers warming up, the Giants had a, a player that was at second base, 
And Bobby Richardson, of course, if, the, if you know, watch baseball, the second baseman kind of keeps a little bit of distance from the second base, and he runs to it immediately when, it, when there's a defensive play to be made. He was watching the player at second base, and as the pitcher for the Yankees was warming up or making his way about ready to warm up, Bobby Richardson walked up to the player on second base, the Giants player on second base, and he went up to him, and he started witnessing to him. And he went up to him, and he says, you know, we're waiting for a few minutes for this to go on. He said, I just want to ask you a question, sir. He said, are you a Christian? He said, if you died right now, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And this is the seventh game, sixth inning of the seventh game of the World Series, Giants versus Yankees. And of course, Bobby Richardson was a very bold witness for Jesus. And that man on second base was feeling incredibly uncomfortable about it. And as soon as the Yankees pitcher was all warmed up, he started pitching and going at it. And he just wasn't, he didn't have it finely tuned. And the man that was at bat hit a single. The single that he hit was enough to bring that, that man on second base onto home plate. He came to home plate, touched home plate. The giant, that Giants player made his way to the dugout. And the first person he looked for was a, was another great Christian of that time, a man by the name of Felipe Lou, who played for the for the San Francisco Giants. I still remember the Lou brothers back in the day. And he went to Felipe Lou, and instead of being excited that he scored a run, he went to Felipe Lou, and he said this. He said, what is with you guys, you Christians? It's the seventh game of the World Series. How can you talk about Jesus in the midst of the World Series? And I say to you tonight, sometimes we look at the situation as bad as things might be, and people weren't about the world climate, and we're, people weren't about tariffs on goods, and people weren't about whether or not the stock market is going to crash, and people weren't about the Me Too movement and all things like that. And they ask the question, how can you talk about Jesus in the midst of this? And I say to you tonight, if you're a born-again Christian, how could you not talk about Jesus Christ? Christ. Amen. And so this evening, I want to see a group of people here in Acts chapter 4 that, that as far as they were concerned, how could they not talk about Jesus Christ? We're looking tonight at a time in the lives of the believers when they're just, the church is just, just seeing the blessings of God and the power of God's coming down. We see a major, major obstacle before them. And tonight, I want to take a few moments to just remind us that the Lord Jesus Christ promised us in John fifteen sixteen, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And what's that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And we've been just kind of some examples and we will probably be for a few more weeks on examples of uh, so winning believers and examples in the Bible of how we can face difficult situations. But God can use all of us and any of us to get the gospel with the people. We saw how God used a man by the name of Philip. We saw Jesus and his model example. And tonight we want to see how God works through Peter and John to try to mobilize the church to get the church on fire and on the same page about reaching people for Jesus Christ. Notice first of all this evening the combative pressures. You know there's pressures when it comes time to winning souls. There's pressures we face and we'll see this evening in Acts chapter 4 combative pressures. We see difficult pressures. Notice if you would for just a moment we see words like this this over over in verse 26 and 27 we see the words against the lord and against this christ and we see here in verse 27 against thy holy child jesus and verse 20 29 for, for behold their threatenings i mean they were facing a difficult moment and all of that goes back to the beginning of chapter 4 
And all of that actually traces out even before chapter 4 to chapter 3 of Acts. Peter and John, at the ninth hour of the day, um, they were going to the temple. The ninth hour of the day for them was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They went up at the time of, of prayer, when it was time for men to pray. And there they were met at a gate called Beautiful by a lame man. And this lame man had been there since so he was lame from his mother's birth. And as soon as he was an adult, someone took him, picked him up every day and took him at the, at the gate called Beautiful. There's a, if you ever look at the temple, Herod's temple, the gate called Beautiful was right there right by the court of the Gentiles. And it was there this man was laid every day and he begged for alms. That's the only way that man could get financial support. It was a very, very pitiful scene. This man would beg for alms. And there Peter and John met this man. And Peter said those classic words, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ our Savior, rise up and walk. And he extended his hand. And as he extended his hand, the man took Peter by the hand. And the man rose up and he started to walk and he leaped and he was excited about, about what was going on. And if you notice in chapter four, chapter three. Notice if you would, you'll go back there for just a moment. In chapter three, there this man. The Bible says in chapter three, verse seven, it says, and he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And the Bible says he leaping up stood and walked and entered with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. How many of you are thankful when you get Jesus Christ into your life? That's something to leap and shout about. Amen. How many just excited about the fact Christ is in your life? That's something to get excited about and fired up about and to tell people that Jesus is over in your life. But as soon as that happens. Peter, we see, God gives him opportunities. And I want to make this statement tonight. Because Peter was faithful with the one man, that's what he was. Because Peter was faithful with the one man, God gave him a much larger opportunity to tell more people about the Lord. Now, sometimes we get a little bit uncomfortable about our circumstance and try to get the gospel people. We're kind of like the man, the Christian, who got on a bus. As he's boarding a bus, he's thinking, I need to pray that God will help me to be a witness because I'm very scared to be a witness. And the man got on a bus and was just three. Two, three people on the bus. The bus driver, this big burly guy that had tats all over him, and just and this Christian. And the Christian sat across from the big burly man who had all these tattoos on him, and he started praying, Lord, is it time to witness? Is it time to witness? Is it time to witness? And he's praying under his breath, Lord, give me an opportunity to witness. Give me an opportunity to witness. Well, bless his heart, he had an opportunity to witness. It was just him and that man across from him, amen? And as soon as he was praying, he started praying a little bit, the big burly man broke down in tears, and he was crying and sobbing profusely. And he looked at the man, and he didn't know he was a Christian. He said, Sir, I don't know what's going on here, but I just feel like right now I need to get saved. Can you tell me if I can get saved? Can you tell me how to become a Christian? Can you tell me to get saved? When the Christian man, he bowed his head again. He said, Lord, is it time? Is it time? Is it time for me to witness, to give the gospel out? And I think a lot of us are like that Christian that we, the opportunity is there. We just are not sensitive to seize upon the opportunity and make it happen. And Peter, as he's, as he's seen this man get saved, people are running to him from all over the temple. Remember, they're not inside the temple. They're outside the temple at the court of the Gentiles where the gate of beautiful was and people were rushing because they remembered this lame man who could not who who before could not walk he's walking and leaping and people are coming to him notice some things god does for peter in this chapter god gave peter a place he was in the temple gate he gave him a, a place where he would have an audience to get the gospel to people listen when you're faithful to one god will give you a place i believe one of the many reasons why god in his goodness and his mercy has blessed heritage baptist church with a heritage center and now a new educational building and then one day to remodel the the, the other building i believe well, the reason why god has given to the 
place. Even 2960 Mercedes Street is we've just tried to be faithful with the one. We've tried to be faithful just getting the gospel to one person at a time. And God has blessed us with this location. God gave him a place. Notice in chapter 3, verses 11 to 26, God gave him people. God gave him prospects to witness to. And a large horde of them. And if you ever get a map to see the court of the Gentiles where it was at, it was a large, large place. I mean, it was a place that a large crowd of people came. And it was the hour of prayer, so it was a large number of Jews that assembled there to, to pray. <coughs> While Peter was there, he realized he had an opportunity. As we read chapter 3, the Bible says that this, this man held on to him. And it says in chapter 3, verse 12, And when Peter saw it, saw what? He saw all these people come. He took advantage of that. He started preaching the Word of God. And from verse 12 to the end of chapter 3, he preaches the Word of God and he gives the gospel. Now I want to tell you, he did not know that as he approached that place of prayer that people were going to assemble there. And he had no idea to be preaching to thousands of people. But he was just faithful with the one. And God gave him a place and God gave him prospects. Notice chapter 4, verse 3. God gave him, God gave him a payoff. In chapter 3, we see in verse, chapter 4, actually, actually verse 4, the Bible says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Where 5,000 believed, there were more than 5,000 were there that heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, you could see this man's faithfulness, God, Peter's faithfulness. God was blessing it. God gave him a place. God gave him prospects. God gave him a payoff. But notice now, from that point on, we see God also allowed him to have pressures. Pressures come about. And you'll notice today, the greatest pressure that Peter and John faced, and the believers they went back to, was the pressure of fear. The pressure of being under the gun. Of knowing, should, you know, what, should I witness or not witness? The greatest pressure most believers have about witnessing is the fear of people. Of the fear of talking to people. Of the fear of saying the wrong thing. Of the fear of people in itself. And I want to tell you today, as we look at this situation, notice chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and they put them in hold until the next day for it was now even time. God allowed them to feel combative pressure. There was antagonism. There was opposition. You see, tonight we must be reminded brother and sister in Christ, Satan hates the gospel. Satan hates the proclamation of the gospel. As we saw in verses 25 to 27, they were against the holy child Jesus. In fact, the believers quoted from verse 25, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things from Psalms 2 verse 1. Satan hates it when we shot our feet with the gospel of peace. Satan hates so many churches and so many Christians. I remind you tonight as we try to go on for Jesus as a small church, I remind you tonight Satan hates everything about gospel proclamation. Mark this down. When money is being raised and construction programs occurs, the devil is going to fight that. Mark it down. When souls are being saved and we're trying to push forward, the devil will fight that. Notice in our chapter very quickly tonight, the combative pressures. These are the pressures we face as we try to get the gospel out. First of all, notice in verses 1 to 3, these disciples were being shunned. They were being put off. Notice it says in verse 3, they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day. If you're going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to preach the gospel, we will be shunned. We will be shunned by people that don't want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says they were grieved that they preached Jesus. The Bible says they laid hands on them. You know, organized religion... And religionists who hold to legalism in their practices are grieved when they see the crowds and they see the conversions. Notice, 
Cults shun the winning of souls. Notice, Calvinists shun the winning of souls. Carnal believers shun the winning of souls. Listen, contentious believers shun the winning of souls. Contentious believers, in fact, if you go to Philippians chapter 1, the big problem with the church at Philippi were there's some who were contentious about winning souls. And they caused, and the Bible talks about they were striving against one another. And Paul said, we need to strive together for the faith of the gospel. Let me tell you tonight, you might not be in favor of seeing souls saved. You know, might be, might be in favor that we were so bold and in your face about preaching the gospel. And I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're contentious about that, you're contentious about the fact that Jesus is interested in saving souls. Listen, contentious believers are shunned the winning of souls. Casual, lukewarm believers shunned the winning of souls. Counterfeit believers shunned the winning of souls. These believers were shunned. And I'm going to tell you tonight, we're not going to turn the, the, the nozzle off. We're not going to stop preaching the gospel. We're not going to stop declaring Jesus saved. I'm going to tell you tonight, if there's ever a time, here it is Baptist Church needs to be on fire for God and to win souls. It's now more than ever before there. And I'm going to tell you tonight, we're not putting a building up just to put a building up. And we're not putting a building up so we can say, look at us. No, we're putting a building up so we can say, look at the chief cornerstone of the building. That's Jesus Christ, our Savior. They were people that were being shunned. Notice they were people that were being shamed. Look at verse 7, if you would, please. And when they had sat, set them in the midst, they asked, by what power, by what name have you done this? They wanted to know that evening, that, 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 that morning. They, they were trying to shame them. And they said, well, what, what, what gives you the right to do this? Whose name are you coming in? What power are you coming in? Peter and John were outnumbered and they were put on trial. I'll remind you tonight, the enemies of the gospel tried to imitate them. And the enemies of the gospel tried to make them look foolish. And the enemies of the gospel put them into public shame and tried to shame them down. And tried to make them look like a menace and criminals. And listen, we've had some of our soul winners experience that. And some of our soul winners have been hunted down and been, been, been harassed. And some of our soul winners have been sent vile emails and things of that nature there. And they were trying to shame them. But they just kept on going. I remind you tonight, when the pressures come, they try to shun us. And when the pressures come, they try to shame us. But notice something else. They shunned them and they shamed them. But notice verse 18. They also censored them. They said, you cannot preach this anymore. We will not let you proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We forbid you to keep on preaching. Verse 18 tells us this. It says, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus Christ. They forbid them. Notice Peter said in verse 20 when they said that. And I and I, and I have to think Peter at that moment probably felt his sadness in his heart and uh, probably a tug at his heart thinking how can you say such a thing? 5,000 people, 5,000 Jews just converted to Jesus Christ and 3,000 uh, more before that and he looked at those people and the Bible says he said to them verse 20 for we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard and you know sometimes you ask the question what's the definition of a witness right there in verse 20 the definition of a witness we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard I, I can't help but tell the truth all the truth and nothing but the truth I cannot help but tell you that Jesus saved my soul that Jesus saved me for, and took, my, took me out of the miry clay and set my feet on the solid rock there and the Bible says when they said that in verse 23 it says, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had sent unto them. Now, when we look at that, we think, well, they came with delight. They didn't come with delight. You follow the context of the passage. When Peter and John went there, they went, they went back to the church because they were sad. 
And they were broken in heart and they were intimidated. And I think they were shaking a little bit. The Bible tells us in chapter 4, verse 13, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And so when they saw the boldness, they just shouted a little bit more against Peter and John. And they got more in their face and tried to intimidate them. And they did so. They said, we're going to tell you right now, we have more power than you. We want to tell you right now, we have more authority than you. And we want to tell you right now, we have the authority to shut you down and tell you you're not going to preach Jesus Christ anymore. And as they did so, Peter and John did what every Christian should do when you're facing pressure, when you're facing difficult. Would you look at verse 23? The Bible says, and being let go, they went to their own company. Hey, where do you go when you have problems? Where do you go when you have problems? Do you skip out on church or you get to church? Do you ask for prayer or you just kind of go off on, on, on the corner somewhere and suck your thumb? The Bible says being let go, they went to their own company. I'm thankful I'm an independent Baptist. I tell you, if I'm going to have trouble like that, I'm not going to the Presbyterians. And I'm not going to the Bible churches. And I'm not going to the community churches. By the way, you see what's wrong with Bible churches? They're Calvinists. All of them are Calvinists. I'm not going to the community church that's got the name Grace unless I've read their statement of faith and talked to the pastor to make sure he's not a Calvinist. I'm going to tell you tonight, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to an independent Baptist church that's a soul winning church and I'm going to go to somebody who's agreeing with the same thing I agree with that has the same fire about the things we have fire about and decide today, I'm going to go to someone like that. And by the way, I'm just thankful tonight that I am an independent Baptist church. Being let go, they went their own company. Well, you know, they don't care about me there. Yes, we do care about you here. Well, you don't know. No, they went to their own company. They went to that band of believers that, that prayed there in Acts chapter 1. They went to that band of believers that agreed on the same statement of faith. They went to that band of believers that witnessed the descent of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And as Peter preached that glorious gospel, 3,000 stubborn, obstinate Jews who crucified the Lord Jesus Christ, they repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus. They said, I'm going to go to that bunch of people where souls are getting saved and the fire of God's coming down. If I'm going to find comfort, I'm not going to find a bunch of, month, bunch of people that are doubtful and unbelieving, I'm going to find comfort and grace and help among those who know something about the power of God. And verse 23 says, being let go, they went to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and elders had sent unto them. You know what they were telling them? There's some antagonism, guys. We're afraid right now. The number one pressure we're facing right now, they want to shut us down. They're going to tell us we can't witness. They're telling us we can't sow in. We can't do this and we can't do that. They've censured us. I'm just saying there's a combative pressure. The devil is working to try to shut them down. But notice where there's the combative pressure. What you notice in our text tonight, verses 23 to 31, what you notice, the corporate praying. I mean, believe tonight God's pleased to see a church is praying. Amen. Where two or more are gathered together in His name. There He is in the midst with us. How many delighted tonight when you read in Acts, the book of Acts, we see a church that's praying. We see the corporate praying. I want to tell you tonight, when the pressure came, they prayed. When the pressure came, they went to the Lord. When the pressure came, they called an all-night prayer meeting. They called a prayer time. Peter and John didn't call for a board meeting. And Peter and John didn't call for a strategic planning meeting. And Peter and John didn't call for a plan B meeting. Peter and John didn't say, well, we've got to go look up to see what the church growth experts got to say. And they didn't say, well, let's go find out what the neo-fundamentals have to say about it. Let's go find out these guys from Las Vegas are talking about this new fundamentalism. Listen, there is no such thing as a new fundamentalism. There's only one fundamentalism, and that's the Bible and the Word of God tonight. And I remind you this evening, they didn't go out to looking for a new answer. They went back to the source of all truth. They went back to God Himself. They said, God, what do we do about this situation? And I'm going to tell you, when we face combative pressures, those are the times we need to pray. So they went to the church and went to prayer. Would you notice some things about what God did in that prayer time? 
Notice in verse 24, the Bible says they were in accord. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Hey, I like what it says there. They lift up their voice. It wasn't one single voice being lifted up. Or one voice trying to take advantage of the situation and to wiggle themselves as the personality of the moment. No, they lifted up their voice together as a church. How many of us understand tonight, the church is not about one person. The church is not even about the pastor. The church is about the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the great shepherd of the sheep who through the blood of the everlasting covenant makes us perfect, complete to do all the will of God. He's the chief shepherd of our soul and the bishop of our soul. And we have to remind ourselves tonight, it's not about one man, it's not about one person, it's about his body. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And listen, the church was together, and the church was unified, and the church was one. The Bible says they heard that, they lift up their voice to God with one accord. Psalms 133, verses 1 to 3. Listen, behold... How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment, and as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Our Lord Jesus Christ in his prayer there on that night, the eve in which he would be crucified, in John 17 said this in verses 20, 21, Neither, neither pray I for these alone. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And I'm going to tell you this evening, brother and sister Christ, there's nothing, there's nothing that pleases God more than a church that's unified and in one accord. We're in one accord about our doctrine. We're in one accord about our direction. We're in one accord about what God wants His will to be done in church. And I'll tell you tonight, if we're going off in some other direction, we're trying to be a maverick going this way, that way, this way, that doesn't please God. And as we have a building going on, I'm going to tell you tonight, listen to me, that building will either unite us, that building's going to divide us. And you listen to me tonight, there's going to be a lot of preferences that are going to come out once you walk through that building. Someone's going to prefer to do this about that and prefer to do this about that. But I'm saying tonight, that building needs to unify us and you need to have a spirit tonight that says, Pastor, however God leads us, let's just follow the Lord. Amen. And we ought to have the spirit that says, listen, we're in, we're in a state of flux and we have to change classrooms. Praise God, we've got to change classrooms. At least we have classrooms. If we've got to say, we've got to meet upstairs instead of downstairs, downstairs instead of upstairs, or we've got to downsize because our, our maybe our class is not growing. We've got to go from a larger class to smaller. We ought to just have a good spirit and say, that's God's building. We're going to do whatever pleases God. I'm going to tell you tonight, don't get to the place where that building becomes divisive, where that heritage center becomes divisive. And you say, well, we're going to get to do whatever we want. You're going to get to do whatever the rule book says. Amen. I'm saying this evening, we need to follow the Lord and trust God and not have a divisive spirit and go, go, go into these things. And Jesus was praying. He said, I don't pray for these. I'm praying for those that will believe on them afterward. By the way, our, our Lord Jesus Christ is praying for us right now. They were in accord. Notice verse 24. They were above board. They lift up their voice to God. They were above board. I'll be honest with you. I read verse 24. Everybody in that prayer meeting, their conscience was right with each other. And the Holy Spirit bear witness of that. Because I'll be honest with you. Peter wasn't, he wasn't exactly the easiest pastor to follow at that time. Peter was known to double track. He'd say something, they have to change it all over again. And James had not risen and become pastor of the church at that time. And John was too soft. And listen, they, they, they were in a situation, but I'm going to tell you, God saw the conscience of every one of those believers, and they were in one accord. Listen, they were above board. They lifted up their voice to God. When, can I just say some things tonight? There was no finger pointing. There was no politicking. 
There is not one man or one woman trying to be the voice for a segment of the church. Listen, that might go on in the secular world. That doesn't happen in the church. Amen? There are no special interest groups or factions trying to seek their cause. If, you're, if you have some questions about that, read through the book of Corinthians. And read through Galatians. And read through Philippians. And read through the book of James. Factions and causes trying to get their own voice to be heard. There. No, they lifted up their voice in one accord before the Lord. Notice in verses 24 to 29, we not only see they were in accord, we not only see they were above board, but notice notice the acknowledgement in their praying. In verses 24 to 29, they made some great acknowledgement. First of all, notice they acknowledged God's sovereignty in their lives and God's sovereignty about the situation. Look what they did. The Bible says, Lord, Thou art God. By the way, if that's all we pray, that's a good prayer. Thou art God. You know what they're saying? Caesar's not God. Caiaphas is not God. The Jewish legalism's not God. Thou art God. Listen, there comes a time in our worship we must come to realization we're not coming to church because of the building. We're not coming to church because of the pastor. We're not coming to church because of the choir. We're not coming to church because I got a ride. We're coming to church because of God. We are coming because thou and thou alone art God. A day and time, people are not interested in God. People are interested about a lot of other things. We're interested about God. The sole reason why we're here tonight is because of God. And they said in verse 24, Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. They prayed and said, Lord, You are Creator God. But as they were praying, they said, Lord, You are Commander God. And You are only God. There's only one God. And they referred to the Scriptures as the reason why people, why, why they were praying. And they acknowledged that the people causing pressure had a problem with God. Look at it again. Who by the mouth of Thy servant David... And said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. You know what they're saying in verse, those verses? They said, Lord, we realize they have a problem with you, not a problem with us. And by the way, if you have a problem with the church, you have a problem with the direction of the church, maybe the problem is because you have a problem with God. And they're saying here, these people have a problem with you, Lord. They're against you. They're against your child. They're against the holy child, Jesus. They're against what the Lord wants to do. And he says, Lord, they're, they're just against us. And we have to realize tonight that they just have to acknowledge God's power. There, there comes a time we can do everything we want to, but we've got to acknowledge God's sovereignty. And then notice in their acknowledgement, they acknowledge their submission or faith to God. Notice they've unloaded to the Lord. Look at verse 29. They said, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Lord, you've heard what they said. Lord, you've heard them censure us. Lord, you've heard them tell us we can't go on. Lord, you've heard them tell us that we can't preach your word anymore. They're telling us we can't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And God, they just put us in a hole for one night. I, I, I can't even imagine being in a hole for more than one night. I can't imagine being in, 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 in prison for a long period of time. They, he, they just said, Lord, behold, they're threatening. And they said, you know, we take it very seriously. Lord, these, they're, they're threatening. We're, we're just honest. They're saying, Lord, we're, we're scared. That's what they're saying. They're scared. And, you know, verse 13 says they saw the boldness of Peter and John. But notice verse 29 Peter and John went in there and they the believers in that church they saw the concern on their face and they prayed for something collectively as a whole they didn't pray that God would take away the problem they didn't pray for a change of the high priest and they didn't pray for a change of the Sadducee they didn't pray for that they said Lord you put us here they prayed for more boldness they said God we need boldness you know a lot of times in our praying uh, why our praying doesn't get answered we say Lord take away the problem well it might be just will God's will that he wants us to have the problem so he makes us a better Christian amen and sometimes we think we're better Christians if he takes away the 
the problem. That's not how God works. Many times God puts a trial in our life to make us a better Christian. And notice here tonight, he says, Behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants, that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Now they acknowledge God and his sovereignty in the previous verses. They said, we know it's in your control. And we said, they said, Lord, we know that you've orchestrated this, and you've allowed it to happen. And they said, now, Lord, we don't understand how this is all going to happen, but we just submit ourselves to you. Lord, we just say, Lord, just grant, just one thing you do for us, Lord. Just give us more boldness. We realize this is where you put us, and we accept it as is. Just give us more boldness. Give us boldness to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use us, Lord, for your glory. They articulate God's sovereignty in their situation and their submission to God. And they said, but give us more boldness by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. You know what they're saying in the midst of pressure? Lord, give us what we need to do more. Lord, give us what we need to see more miracles. And Lord, give us what we need to help us exercise more faith. And give us what we need so that, Lord, we can have greater boldness. They said, we want to stretch, we want to see the stretching forth of your hand to heal. And that, by the way, next time you talk to a Pentecostal that talks about what they're healing, read to them Acts chapter 4, verse 30, where they prayed by stretching forth his hand to heal. And they said, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. They just said, all we're about is Jesus Christ. And all we're about is getting the name of Jesus Christ out. And you said, what does this have to do about learning about soul winning is learning how to pray for souls to be saved is learning how to pray listen 90 percent of soul winning is found on your knees 90 percent of your soul winning is done on your knees getting god's power pray for god to work listen you can go with your winsome personality winsome personalities will only take you so far and i hate to tell you this it doesn't take you very far i need his power you know what they're saying yeah, they saw our boldness in verse 13, but man, after they censured us, we don't have much boldness left, Lord. We need help. Now look at your faces, and I think of my face tonight. There are times we get scared. You know, we want to go, we want to go into a neighborhood where all the lawns are neatly manicured, and, and the landscape is very nice, and there's nice mailboxes, and no one's mailbox has been broken into, you know what I'm saying? And we want to go into an area where we know there's a nice shopping center, so some of you can go get your boba after you go sewing. But can I, can I help you something tonight? It would do us good to go in an area where it makes us feel uncomfortable every now and then. Abandoned cars, people sleeping cars. The other night, just a few nights ago, we had an event here for uh, the, grad, the, sen- the ba- senior banquet. While we were having the senior banquet, a riot broke out down at Marina Park. <laughs> they had to close the park off. I mean, last night, I don't know if you heard the news, uh, you pray for him. But there was a big fire that broke out in an unincorporated part of San Leandro, probably Ashland area. And our Alameda County fire went into there. And they didn't know the place they were going into that the owner had 20 pit bulls. They had no idea. One of those firefighters, and I wonder if he ever came to any of our, of our services in our public appreciation servant days. And the firefighter went in there, was taken by surprise, and he got knocked down by, the, by, the, by one or two pit bulls, and one of them just gnarled, gnarled his face away, mauled his face off. And we think of things like that. I don't want to go in that neighborhood. I don't want to knock on those doors. We go in some areas, people are hard, they don't want to talk to you. Some of you men, you're a little afraid about someone coming behind you and 
pointing a gun at your back and things like that. Hey, that happens in good areas as well as bad areas. It happens everywhere. But I remind myself when I, those thoughts cross my mind, what God told the prophet Isaiah, no weapon that is formed shall prosper against thee. They said, we don't know what to do, Lord, but give us more boldness. Maybe our prayer tonight we need to make is, Lord, we don't know what to do, but give us more boldness, Lord. Have your way tonight. And if I dared to ask, I would, I would believe at least half of us tonight here this evening, we need more boldness. We would say, Lord, I'm, I'm really scared. My heart of hearts, I'm really, I just, I'm just scared to talk to my siblings. I'm scared to talk to my family. I've had pushback. I don't like push. Nobody likes pushback. You don't want to be made fun of. You don't want people thinking you're somebody crazy. Let somebody else do it. But listen, they realize God put them there. And they remembered Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall be witnesses unto me. And that was pulsating in their hearts and their minds. And their hearts were throbbing about the gospel message. And they were sad and they were being censured. And they prayed for more boldness. And that God would use them to win more souls. And God would do more miracles and works there. And notice in verses 29 to 30, not only do we see their acknowledgement, notice their ambition. They didn't ask for another way out. They're praying with faith. Give us more opportunities, Lord. Show us the way. We see corporate praying at its best. We see corporate praying as a model. A lot of times we pray and, you know, it's very, it's very comforting to be around other believers when we feel we've got the comfort of the numbers. But really, we need to get out of our box and say, Lord, you know what we need today? Lord, we need more boldness. We need more bold in our preaching. We need more boldness in the proclamation of the gospel. We need more boldness to give out 20 more tracts. And we need more boldness to talk to people we feel uncomfortable with. We need boldness to talk to the atheist. We need boldness to talk to the agnostic. We need boldness to talk to the Muslim. We need boldness to talk to the Buddhist. Listen, someone said to me the other day, hey, yeah, yeah, we went to this other area. There are a bunch of Buddhists here. I said, great opportunity. How many doors did you knock on? And I say this evening as we look at that, we must just say, Lord, give us that ambition they had. Lord, behold their threatenings and grant of thy servants that with a boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Ian Bounds said this, and many of you have read his books on prayer, you know this statement. God's plan is to make much of the man. Far more of him than of anything else. Men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. What the church needs today is not more machinery. Or better, not new organizations. And more novel methods. Men, men whom the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer. Men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men. Men of prayer. Lord, listen, tonight we see the corporate praying of these believers. They didn't have much, but they had God. And I'm going to tell you tonight, we may not have much, but praise God, we have Him. Amen. As we close tonight, would you notice one last thing? Notice the convincing product. You know, Dr. Luke, who is the writer of Acts, who read through the Gospel of Luke and Acts, he was very careful about details. As we'll see tonight, I don't believe he cut anything out. 
I think he was very careful about the details because he knew as he was writing this down that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that one day people like you and me would read this passage and we would need this as instruction and help so we would get the boldness of God. And we see the convincing product here. We see what God, how God answered this prayer. God was pleased with this praying. By the way, it's God's will that we have boldness. We see that frequently being prayed by the Apostle Paul. And sometimes as we pray, we must pray, Lord, that His will would be done through us. I want to give you this and we're done tonight. First of all, what you notice... In verse 31, in their praying, would you notice four things about the product as we close that? First, what you notice as they prayed, the place was shaken. It didn't say they got the Holy Spirit first and there was shaking. There was shaking first. The Holy Spirit shook the place. It was a literal, physical shaking. It was a literal, spiritual shaking. It was a shaking. It was a moving. You study the word shaking here. It's the same word that's used 20 other times. It has the idea of a wind blowing so so vehemently. It shakes the very vessel. It shakes things up. It has the idea of, a, of someone who's, who's, who's done some harvesting and they've got, they've got the wheat in a sieve and they're shaking the sieve to get, to get all the, the, the junk out of there so that all that remains is the wheat. It's talking about something that's being shaken, a violent shaking. I want to give you some things tonight. The shaking into indicated God's approval on their praying. The shaking indicated awakening and revival. The shaking was a precursor to the moving God would do through them. May I say this tonight? God knows we need our place shaken and our souls shaken just like they did. They were shaken. May God shake us out of our fears and out of our little faith. May God shake us out of our excuses. May God shake us out of lukewarmness and laziness. May God shake us out of a stingy spirit. May God shake us out of our sleeping. May God shake us out of a contentious attitude and perhaps a bad spirit. May God shake up our homes. May God shake up our love which has grown cold and bring it hot once again. May God shake us up. May God shake up the formalism by which we worship Him. May God shake us up. Verse 37 says, and when they prayed, the place was shaken. Most of our praying, nothing happens. Most of our praying, everything's still the same. Most of our praying, our attitude's still the same. And most of our praying, our spirit hasn't changed. There doesn't seem to be an indication of God working. I'm saying tonight, biblical praying like they did when they prayed the place was shaken i'm gonna ask you tonight when was the last time we prayed and the place was shaken was shaken there secondly they were filled with the holy ghost not some all 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 thank god if just one person has the holy spirit working his life all of them had the Holy Spirit working their life. You know what that means to me? The Holy Spirit got all of them, and they got all of the Holy Spirit. Because in the previous verses, they yield themselves to the Holy Spirit. Granted to thy servants, that's humility, that's submission. Granted to thy servants, that with all boldness, they said, Lord, we need this. They were in agreement about that one thing. We need more boldness. Now, there's a lot of things we're going to have preference about, but there's one thing we ought to be in agreement about. We need more boldness. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Spirit of God. Listen, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have power that's unlimited. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, large numbers of people get saved. By the way, they go from addition to the church to multiplying in the church after we get after this. Listen, with the Holy Spirit, we see God working in a way that we didn't see before. When we have more of the Holy Spirit, everyone in the church as one is. When we're filled with 
the Holy Spirit. God is a church that He can use in a great way. That the place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then notice they spake the word with boldness. God answered exactly what they requested. And I want you to wrap your, your thoughts around, around what He said there. They all spake the word of God with boldness. You know what I imagine there? Everybody went out of that room. Everybody went out of that prayer meeting. And they all started telling people about Jesus Christ. I mean, what a great thing it would be tonight if the Holy Spirit could have His way with you and me. And as soon as we said amen, everybody rushed out the doors and said, we don't have time to hear anything else. We've got to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Whoa. Whoa. They got past their fears and their paranoias. They were unashamed to preach and to witness. There was no apathy about so many. God gave them more opportunities than He did. And listen, where there was great power, as we see, there was also great grace abounding in them. There was a greatness of God that gave them. That we see in this passage, there was great power and there was great grace and there was great fear. But listen, all the greatness could be tied to one thing. We have a great God who wanted them to see His power. The gospel was spreading like wildfire. The threats did not bother them anymore. They were no longer intimidated. Their personality concerns no longer became an issue. Everyone was witnessing with focus and with fire. Listen, they went out and spake the word with boldness. So may God tonight help us to kneel where we're at and come to the old-fashioned altar say, Lord, I need to have that kind of power to proclaim the word with bonus. I will tell you tonight, if we can get what they had, we won't have to worry about a lot of soul winning lessons. We'll just go out and preach the gospel. Then finally tonight, would you notice in verse 33, verse 31, yeah, verse 33. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And may I say tonight, if you read verse 1, it says, Among those who were grieved in their preaching were the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And the Sadducees were the ones who were stirring up everybody and creating much grief. To me, the tragedy of that day were, 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 were basically like the Calvinists. Who, the Calvinist comes in there, they're going to say, well, we don't believe in this. And they're going to try to stir up trouble about that. The apostles gave witness of the resurrection. Great power. I mean, there was great power on the, on the day of Pentecost, but right there, there was great power right there. They went out. And they gave witness. Great grace upon it. And I like that. What it says, great grace. You know what that tells me? They weren't just boldly in your face. And if you don't like it, you can go take a hike. Well, no. I, I really believe this. As they gave the gospel to somebody, somebody didn't re- believe on Jesus that moment, I believe they were so heartbroken, they walked away with tears coming down their eyes. Great grace was upon them. I believe they didn't just look at it, well, I'm just going to go one time. No, I'm going to go back and tell that person again. And I'm going to go back and follow up with them. And I'm going to realize they've got issues and they've got, they've got, they've got skeletons in their closets and all those things like that. But I'm just going to keep on going after them. I'm going to keep on going after them. I'm going to keep going after them. And I know we need training tonight, but you know what we need more than training? We need the power of God. We need God's power. The Giants player in second base, as soon as he crossed home, went to the dugout, looked for Felipe Alou. He said, this is the World Series. What's wrong with you guys? How can you, in the sixth inning... Of the seventh game of the World Series, how can you talk about Jesus Christ? And I say tonight, it doesn't matter if it's a World Series. It doesn't matter if it's a championship game. It doesn't matter what parade's going on. It doesn't matter if the market's up, the market's down. It doesn't matter of all those things. How could we not preach Jesus Christ? How could we not? Tonight, I urge you this evening to take a moment 
They said, Lord, that passage speaks to me. My lack of boldness. And by the way, if you have boldness, just think if you had more boldness. And by the way, if we have boldness, my question is tonight, is it, is it fleshly or is it spiritual? Because if the Holy Spirit's got control of us, man, get out the way. Get out the way. May the Holy Spirit have His place with us tonight as we get ready for the Lord's table in just a moment. Find your place. We want to take a moment this evening to get our hearts ready. Did you try to witness this week? Did you take some gospel tracts? I thank God for a church family where many came to Lester John's service the other night. 25, 30 people, and all of them that were there looked for somebody to witness to as soon as we said amen. I'm thankful for God's people all through the week that have taken time to witness and to tell folks. But I ask you a question. Did we miss anybody? And we did. Did you make excuses not to go? Could you have done more? Did fear and intimidation come in? I'll be honest. It happened to me. I got a lot of opportunities to witness, but there were a lot of opportunities I didn't take advantage of either. As I was preparing for this message, I thought, man, I could have done this and I could have done that. I'd say this evening, Peter and John... When they heard those things, they went back to their own. Reported to them all that the chief priests had said to them. And they said, we're going to be transparent. We're scared. We did tell them we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. But we want you to know we were scared and we were fearful. Maybe I'm talking to a high schooler tonight or a college student. And that's your fear tonight. I'm scared. I don't know how it's going to be done. You're a Berkeley student, knowing that we're going, to, we want, we're going to get a Bible study started. We want to do an outreach program there at UC Berkeley. You're thinking, Pastor, you don't understand. There's 50,000 students. You know what goes on at UC Berkeley? Yes, I do know what goes on at UC Berkeley. He said, do you understand? I'm all by myself. Yes, but with God, you have the majority. Amen? With God, you have the ability. Maybe what we need to do is just stand up a little bit more, get up on a pedestal, and say, listen, Jesus is still in the saving business. And I encourage you tonight, find your place somewhere in church. Somewhere in church. Let's pray for holy boldness. Let's pray for God to use us to be a witness for His glory. Now, Father, tonight, the church got His power on its knees. The church got His power by being a submission. The place was shaken. Lord, would you shake us right now? about the opportunities we miss, about the blood on our hands, about trying to come up with a different method when God needs a different man and a different woman. And Father, this evening I pray that you most of all would forgive us and purge us of pride and excuse-making, too much busyness, too much casualness, to make excuses. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may declare thy word. And fathers, we give the invitation all over the auditorium. We're seated. We will just find a place to kneel. We're at the old-fashioned altar, a place to kneel. With hunger and thirst, we'd say, Lord, grant unto thy servants with all boldness. Help us to preach your word. And may, Lord, we see, even as the church... In Acts chapter 4, with great power, the apostles gave witness of the resurrection of Christ. Let it begin with a shaking. There's some things you need to shake out of us, Lord. There's some excuses and some sins, some fleshly habits. 
some impediments. Shake those out of us tonight, Lord. And as those things are shaken out, we're emptied of self and pride. We pray to be vessels that are yielded and available for the Holy Spirit to fill and to use. Lord, convince us tonight the filling of the Holy Spirit is not an option. It's a mandate. You said in your word, be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. May we in all honesty say, Lord, we don't have enough of the Spirit's power. We need more of His power. Give us a thirst, a hunger, desire, a craving for a fresh anointing of God's power tonight. This evening, I pray we'd make our way and find our way to be prepared, Lord, for the Lord's table. But before we even get there, we need to be sensitive to those times where we've resisted the Holy Spirit. Stephen got up and he preached, you do always resist the Holy Spirit of God. And I wonder how many services we've been in, we've resisted the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, Lord, where the Bible says, quench not the Spirit. And we've put out the fire. We've put out the fire of revival and the fire of soul winning. The fire of enthusiasm, the fire of joy, the fire of, of serving others. Lord, that fire has gone out, it's diminished. Or Lord, maybe it's not just resisting and it's not just the quenching, but it's been the grieving of the Holy Spirit of God. We've grieved Him through our actions and through our spirit. Where envies and jealousies and bitterness and anger and wrath and malice and clamor, evil speaking and gossip and unforgiveness and a bad spirit all of those things and much more those sins of the spirit we've given place to the devil and we've caused the Holy Spirit to be grieved weeping sorrowful not realizing that our actions do affect other people and our spirit does affect other people and to even act and pretend that the grieving Holy Spirit doesn't exist Father please convict us tonight the Holy Spirit wants to have His way Lord, we know about the doctrine, but Lord, we must be submissive to the duty of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I pray this evening, shake us tonight. The starting point for that church was the shaking of the place, a moving, the breath of heaven blowing in that room once again. And God, we need more than just air conditioning blowing on our heads. We need the breath of heaven to blow on our lives tonight, to blow the clutter out of our souls and breathe life in these dry, dead old bones. These bones are just so dry. Give us, Lord, revival. Give us, Lord, that freshness. Give us back that joy. Give us back the enthusiasm, that first love with Christ. Now, Lord, have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to just ask you tonight, maybe where you're seated, you need to turn and kneel at your chair. If you don't want to find your way the old-fashioned order, you come right now. Let's take a few moments to meet with God and pray as they pray there, that corporate prayer time. We're having prayer time right now. Would you do that? Do you have a long your heart for the power of God? Several have come. Would you come tonight? Would you find your place somewhere? Would you submit yourself and just say like them, Lord, grant unto thy servants a servant's heart. He says, Lord, I need that power. I need the working. How much does he have of us tonight? How much does he have of you? You can't have a lot of him if he doesn't have all of you. Ye then be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above. Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not things of the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Let's take a moment tonight. When's the last time you cheerfully gave the gospel to somebody? Just cheerfully, just went 
Maybe just gave a track out and told somebody about the Lord. Oh, let's not miss it tonight. The lifeblood, the heartbeat of the church is the salvation of souls. Children can be soul winners. Adults can be soul winners. New believers can be soul winners. All of us can do that. Don't be ashamed of the Lord tonight. You come and find your place there. And tonight, are you saved? Tonight was your last day on planet Earth. Do you know for certain you're going to heaven? I invite you tonight. Just those two men this, this morning who trusted Christ. You trust Jesus as your personal Savior. You do that tonight. Fathers, we humble ourselves around the auditorium and get prepared for the Lord's table. Please have your way in our lives. Lord, we need what the church had. We feel the pressures. But Lord, now we're doing the praying. And God, we pray for that product. We pray, Lord, that, that shaking. Lord, that filling. And then that boldness. And that great witness. Lord, have your way tonight. Thank you for being so merciful. Thank you for another chance, another opportunity to be blessed in use of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can be instructed in our soul winning, in our witness to be use of you today. Lord, as we prepare for the Lord's table, Lord, help our hearts to go back and settle on what happened at Calvary, of how the Passover lamb, our Lord Jesus Christ, was the lamb of God for sinners slain. And the shed blood, that efficacious blood, was shed for all of our sins. As we prepare our hearts, Lord, get us ready now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.